friends. Thanks for listening to Pick Your Battles. I'm Kayla. And I'm Dana. And we have two really awesome guests today. One of which I have known for more than like almost two decades, Josh. Wow. Yeah, two decades about. Yeah. That's that's wild. Isn't that like disgusting to say? It makes you feel old. I know. So we're here with Josh and his husband, Phil, and a cat, it looks like. Yes, George. Oh, George. George. Josh, Phil, and George, you guys. Yeah. He'll be purring in the background. Oh, I love it. Um, and you guys have an adorable little boy, Oliver. He is uh literally our life now um as you probably know once you have kids they become the center of attention not you anymore so we're just navigating that life how old is he now he's like eight and a half months he'll be nine uh born on christmas eve so he'll be like at the end of september he'll be nine months awesome oh my god yeah I love that for a little Jewish boy on Christmas Eve. 100% the best weekend. So my birthday is the day after Christmas. His birthday is the day before Christmas. So we like hug Christmas together. And I'm like, what a great birthday for my half Jewish baby. Like, (laughs) just to share it with me. It's great. And you've got Jesus's birthday in the middle. What a time. We call it the trifecta, Oliver, Jesus, and Josh in our house. OJJ in the house. Oh, OJJ in the house, absolutely. <laughs> so what do you guys do for work? Uh, I'm an engineer, like materials engineer. Work with aluminum. It's great. I've heard of it. <laughs> I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm a high school teacher, um, and I'm a sign language interpreter. Um, I specialize in deaf-blind um, interpreting. Um, I've been doing that for about five years, and I've been teaching um, in high school and education in general for about 10 years, Um, and I love it. I'm definitely made to be in the classroom. I'm around um, a little over 120 kids every day in my classroom that come in and out, Um, and yeah, I love it. This episode is an episode that I've been very interested in talking about, and things have come up that had sort of like pushed it to the back. And I think it was Beshert, going to drop some Hebrew on our fellow listeners. It was meant to be because I was scrolling through Instagram and it just clicked. I was like, oh my gosh, we need Josh and Phil who adopted their little boy, Oliver. And I think that's so amazing. I, um, I wonder if my mom will remember this, but I used to go through the phone book back in the day before computers when there was like the yellow pages and being an only child I would write down adoption agency phone numbers on sticky notes and just like leave them places because I was like so desperate to like have a sibling and I knew because my parents were older when they had me for some reason I think I just knew that like okay they're not gonna like have a kid maybe but like they can, they can get me one. Yeah, they can get me one. I'm like, come on. Um, and so for like Hanukkah and like my birthday and everything, and like fucking flag day, I was like, get me a sibling. <laughs> so, uh, never happened, spoiler alert. Yeah. But I would literally like look up A and I would find adoption and I was like, oh. And I would just write down numbers and like sticky notes, like behind the cabinet. That's hilarious. Yeah, it didn't work, but damn it if I didn't try. <laughs> so 
this topic is very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> so why did you guys choose the adoption route as opposed to maybe like a surrogate? Well, so we definitely knew even just at the very start of our dating that we we wanted to have kids. So we were very plan oriented from the start, probably before most, definitely I would say before most couples and for sure before most couples talk about <laughs> their family planning. I don't, it was kind of always just adoption was the option. So um, adoption was the option. <laughs> I guess when you're gay, it's, you know, it's a much narrower set of, right. of options. Don't have to bother with that. We go straight to the adoption route or um, I guess we never really even seriously considered surrogacy. No, we, the, the hardest part with surrogacy is that it would be one of our genes with an egg that we pick, okay, from, you know, a person that would carry our child. And I I think we had thought of like, okay, let's say this baby's born. Deep down, you're always going to know like it's Phil's kid or it's Josh's kid by blood. Mm. And that like, that would even cause issues. Like, let's say we have another kid and let's say Phil's kid was first, then me, it's my turn. Then you like kind of have a battle, like, oh, that Josh's kid is better at doing that. You know, we didn't want any of that. Like we wanted it to be, let's have an adoption. Let's, you know, have a kid that really does need a loving home mm. and let's raise it. Let's raise the child together. And it honestly, that I think we agreed from that. And, and it sounds crazy, but like the first month or maybe the yeah, second month we, no, first month we dated, um, we, I had been out, I had been out of the closet for like 15 years by the time I met Phil. So it's been a long time. I've dated people. I said, I want kids. Finally, when I met Phil, I, I said to him, and this is forward, but I couldn't help it. I said, I'm Josh. I want kids and I want to be married like one day. That's really important to me. Is that important to you? And if it wasn't important to someone, like I knew that that wasn't going to be my future because that's, that is such a, like a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. And Phil like straight up said, yeah, that's great. For me, it wasn't something I, I hadn't thought about that as like a criteria for dating. But as soon as Josh brought it up, I was like, oh, that's logical. You know, don't waste your time with somebody who's like not on the same path as you. How did you choose the adoption agency that you did? How did you narrow it down? Yes, we first actually, the first one we looked at was a national agency, which was really targeting gay couples. Um, and it kind of rubbed us the wrong way in terms of it being more of like very much like a marketing agency where they're like marketing parents to birth moms, which felt a little forced and it just put a little bad taste in our mouth. mouth. So we, we then looked at kind of the more local traditional adoption agencies, the essentially the, the ones that, you know talk to the local hospitals and say, hey, right. if you have a mom that comes in that um, either to like your prenatal clinic or, you know, to an emergency room to, to have a baby and they say that they don't want to have it, call us and we're like the local adoption agency. Um, the agency that we use is Morningstar Adoption Center. They're amazing. We end up going with them because I just got like such a good vibe from them. Like they were so informative. They got back to us. We picked them because they were friendly. Also, we saw gay people on their website as a waiting family. And we were like, we could be that. Mm -hmm. So we have a semi-closed adoption, which we thought wouldn't happen. We were like, 
really dead set that we would have contact with the birth mom at all times, everything. And our birth mom decided to choose to do semi-closed because they just felt that... They kind of wanted the chapter of their life yes. where they were pregnant and had a baby, put it behind them. Yeah. Um, so, so far we've had a pretty minimal, minimal contact, but we still have, it's not completely close. There's, there is a, like a line of communication mm. um, that could go back and forth. And does, does the mom keep that line open? Like is the ball in her court? Can she reach out if she wants, but you cannot, or? She's not obligated to respond and we're not obligated to respond. That's basically what semi-close mean. Okay. So you can't be mad and she can't be mad, but we obviously hope that if we text, she responds and, and vice versa. We have really big respect for her, um, what she did for us and how it went through and everything um, was like beyond special. And the whole story of how we were picked and found is like a one in a lifetime experience. Like it was the most wild story of my life. For sure, our life. It was mm -hmm. the, I think the craziest thing we both encountered. I know. Okay, so this is definitely going to be your like big thing of this podcast because this is like a really unique story. Phil and I applied in June of last year. We had gotten married in May. So we said in a month from when we got married, we'll apply because they say that it's a one to three year process for you to be matched. And we were like, okay, as a gay couple, we don't know how long that's going to be. So like, why not apply? That means that this year right now would be like at minimum when we would even match with a birth mom. So we're like, we could wait a year and a half. That's fine. Right. And we were like dead set on it. We were like, this is when it will happen. Next school year is when you'll have to take leave, blah, 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 blah. And we were like, all ready to go with that idea in mind. So we ended up getting all of our paperwork um, together. We had a home study, which is when a social worker comes to your house and approves you through um, with adoption. We became a waiting family on September 1st. So almost, a, or a little over a year ago now. And what a waiting family is, is basically you're on their website. You're marketable to birth moms that contact the agency, but the agency is not going to reach out to birth moms and give them a pamphlet. Only if birth moms reach out to them, that makes it so it's birth mom friendly. We're not, they're like not nagging birth moms, birth moms are coming to them. Okay. So our agency said, if you would like to advertise, you go for it. And we're like, advertise, like, what do you even do? like Instagram, Facebook. I'm like, that's kind of crazy to put yourself out there. And I'm a teacher. Like, I don't want my students finding out all of my business because it's a very vulnerable process. I'd made an ad because I love doing that type of stuff about us. And I joined this Facebook group that basically connected birth moms and waiting families and 9,000 people in this group. Wow. 9,000 people. So you're one of 9,000. So Slim chances. I log into the Facebook group. I'm approved to join, whatever. I see 40 families a day, a day are posting about their ads, 40 a day. So you're like slim picking, right? Like you're not going to probably get picked. And of course, it's more weeding families than it is birth moms in the group. Right. Like that's pretty normal. So 
I told Phil on the way home from Chicago, we should post a sad. And he's like, I don't know, maybe. And I'm like, let's just try it. Like, it's just a good trial for us. Well, we posted it. And about, I'm trying to think, it was like a few days, three days later, we get a Facebook message. I'm teaching. I'm literally in the middle of class. I glanced at my phone and the birth mom, our birth mom says, hi, I'm six months pregnant. We would, I would like you to have my baby. Wow. Isn't that so straightforward? So straightforward. I mean, I don't know how much more, unless she knocked on your classroom door and like handed you the child. (laughs) I, I like looked at the message. I like looked at my students. I'm mid lesson, mind you. And I'm like, all right, we're going to take a break. (laughs) Um, and they're like, okay. Like they don't, they're never going to complain about that. I like looked at my phone. I opened it. Obviously my heart's beating. I text him. I'm like, what's going on? Like I screenshot it. What's going on? My dad was in the hospital at this time. He had some heart issues and it was just like the craziest week. It was also like Rosh Hashanah, like yeah, everything under the sun was happening at the beginning of the school year. I text him and Phil's like, oh, cool. Like it was like so nonchalant. And I was like, yeah. So I text, I messaged the girl. I said, hey, I'm going to be on lunch in an hour. Can I call you? She said, yes. I'm like, okay. I said, can you call the adoption agency and tell them you're interested in us? Right. And she's like, yeah, I already did. Wow. I'm like, all right, this is fake. Like there's 100, this is 100% not real. Right, I would have thought spam. Yeah, too good to be true. Yeah. Right? So I'm like sitting in class shaking. I'm like, what is going on? This is crazy. She's six months pregnant, meaning I could be a dad with Phil in like three months. Like- what is this story? And so I like end class. I like locked my door. I told my coworkers I'm not joining lunch today. <laughs> and I and I called the adoption agency. I'm like, hi, this is the story. She's like, yep. Um, they called. Um, they're interested in you. I don't, I can't believe how fast this is. I'm like, we've been on the waiting list for two weeks. Okay. They tell you verbatim one to three years that you minimally wait. So two weeks compared to like that is insane. Yeah, hundred percent. That all our agency said, our agency said, is she out of state? And I said yes. And they said we can't help you. And I was like, what do you mean we you can't help us? They said we don't help with that. We can help with certain aspects of it, but you need to hire a lawyer down in in the state, and we can't say the state um, legally. Um, and we were like, okay, like do you have a lawyer for us? Like what do you do? And so we had to call a lawyer in the state and they basically said, you need to find an OBGYN. As a guy, I've never called an OBGYN before, especially being a gay guy. Like I don't have a wife to call for. I'm not personally calling. I'm thinking in my head, like, what do I even do? Right. Okay. So this is like end of September. Now the baby is due Christmas. We found out. Like, that's not a lot of time, right? Yeah. So we ended up connecting. The birth mom went to that OBGYN. It's definitely a girl, like, congrats, whatever. So we picked out a name. We picked out the decor. We got started, like, thinking about more things. We were like, all right, this is great. And um, what happened, Phil, what happened at three weeks later? And then we had a follow-up ultrasound. 
in high definition <laughs> with the legs uncrossed and it was definitely a boy very clearly a boy and i've had this name oliver picked out since i was in first grade i have no idea why it's a name i've always liked and i said oliver like right away as they said that oh. and the birth mom was like why are you so excited or whatever i'm like I just am so excited. Like, this is a dream come true for us. Like, this is a name I've always wanted for a long time. Phil and I, like, it's so cool. We get to have, you know, a little guy with us. You know, like, it's just exciting. Not that we didn't want a girl by any means, but it was just, like, kind of a cool thought. I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. And also, everyone in our family also thought we were going to definitely have a girl. So when we first said it was a girl, they were like, see, I told you so. This is exactly what God's plan was. Blah, blah. It's Bashara. It's yeah, meant to yeah. be. I call them three weeks later. I'm like, guess what? It's a boy. And they're like, what? I'm like, and Phil and I are like, told you. Like, oh my God. What a roller coaster wow. of emotions. Yeah. So um, over those next months, um, we had a lot of stuff that we dealt with. Imagine giving up your child, you know, not seeing possibly the child or not hearing its first cry. Like those are things that moms like dream of or think of. And like, it's heartbreaking to think like what someone that's going through an adoption, like a birth mother, mother might go through. That's two guys, right? We don't know that feeling. So we had to really rely on the, like a lot of support. So our sisters both have kids and they gave us a lot of like advice and like things to like look for and everything. And that was probably our biggest help, honestly. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was definitely, I would say an emotional roller coaster you really know the whole time with adoption that at at the end at the birth birth mom can decide hey i want to keep this baby yeah um, like there's no way and there shouldn't be a way that you can like force the birth mom to give up the baby that she promised you um and we we you know know stories of um you like know, adoptive, stories. Yeah, of, of adoptive parents that have like held the baby in their hands and then the birth bomb changes changes their mind so you, you're trying to like hedge your emotions the whole time you have to pre you have to prepare a hundred percent for the child you have to like get everything you have to get the room ready you have to buy everything. everything but you also have to like emotionally hedge yourself that there's a chance that the birth mom will change your mind and keep the baby and i'm I'm emotional. Um, I would say Phil's not the most emotional. I, I'm definitely the more emotional one in the relationship. Dana, I'm sure you know that I am an emotional person. During that weekend, I did not like shed a tear at all when he was born. And that was like my dream since I've been a little kid because I like really tried hard to not imagine that this is going to work out. Mm -hmm. It's like sad, right? To think that when you're holding a baby that's your yours, but you're not sure. And Phil, I've never seen, sorry, can I say mm -hmm. it? I've never seen Phil cry. Phil's like weeping, <laughs> I'm, which is like killing me inside, but I'm trying to be strong. Um, we decided that because the birth, I posted on Facebook and, and did that legwork that I should hold the baby first and Phil gets to feed the baby first and do skin to skin. So like, we kind of like split it off like that. When that was like our fair trade, um, uh it worked out great. And um, in the adoption state that um, we adopted Oliver from, they have a really short time window of when the birth mom needs to make up their mind and sign the uh, legal papers. Mm -hmm. 
In Michigan, it's 31 days, I believe, that they can change their mind. So you could have a baby for a month. I mean, a whole month. You know how grueling it is for a month to have a newborn, right? Yeah. Uh, um, It's tiring. Like, you bond with that baby. So imagine a month, and then they they take it back. And again, that's like, that's their right. That is up to them. They, that They birthed that child. You know, they were the one who was carrying that child like that is their right and we understood that but like the process of like being like okay you could have the child for one month and we then it's not our child anymore after you tell people like it's really sad so um we we had a huge relief when we did get everything signed everything worked so smoothly there were really unreal the whole the whole time there were no hiccups no surprises once we had oliver he was perfectly healthy happy baby no legal issues getting him back getting everything set up it's really been smooth sailing knock on wood please <laughs> yeah we've had an unusually up op- pleasant fast wild story yeah. adoption story yeah, yeah. Ugh, i just love josh and bill story in general like I just adore the both of them together and then the story of them like finding the baby on Facebook that's I mean doesn't get any better than that's a story for the modern age someone called Mark Zuckerberg yeah I'm kidding I think though we're gonna have to do a second episode about them yeah we have a lot of content I cut out a lot for this first episode (laughs) because we try to keep everything short but I mean you can't just be like oh Here's adoption. Bye. Yeah. 20 minutes. Like, there's so much to it. Yeah. And they deserve all the time. 100%. So stay tuned for part two. That's right. But before that, just remember that it's okay to pick your battles. And it's okay if you pick the wrong one.